My name is Pablo Paredes. Really glad to be here with you guys. Hey, I'm the uh, local missions pastor, and, and you're going to have to forgive me today, okay? Because this is actually my first time doing this here live, and three times in English and one time in Spanish, so I may get my, I get, I may get my languages kind of mixed up, but I think I'm going to do okay. You're going to stay with me, you're going to help me out, okay? So let's pray and let's begin. Father, thank you for this time that you give us together. Father, I thank you that we are one church in six locations and in two languages. So Father, we are excited just for the fact that you are here with us now. You are here with us either on site or online or in a digital form. We thank you that the church is not just four walls, Father. The church is people. It is us following you with everything that we have and everything that we are. So just as we come to you and we continue worshiping you now through your word, Father, I just pray that that you give us right now uh, discernment, that you allow us to focus on what you have to say to us today. And Father, as we listen to you, I pray, and this is my prayer for myself and for us, is that we not only understand your word, but we actually practice it, that we actually obey it, because that's where transformation really happens. So Father, we pray in the name of our, of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we, we continue the series that we have started. It is called Dear Church. And we are, we are looking at letters that Jesus wrote to his churches, seven churches. And what these are, these are actually love letters. These are letters like a husband writing it to his wife. And, and I want to begin today's letter this way, just, just with a question. What do we do when we are under pressure? And, I, and I'll share that with you in just a little bit. But let me say this to you. We hold on to something or we hold on to someone. So let me give you an example real quick pressures of our day today so nowadays we have what COVID-19 the virus still going on and we haven't forgotten about that but this is the thing we don't know who has it many times and the fear is that there is what death at some point at some time so what do we hold on to perhaps we're waiting for that vaccine we're waiting for that medicine, right? What about the uncertainty of the economics today? I don't know about you, but I think this is hitting everybody, not just the U.S., right? We don't know what's going to happen with the economy. And if we think about Latin America and Asia and Africa, man, the economies are not good. So what do we hold on to? We hold on to our monies. You know, we said maybe we should spend a little less this time. Or, or how about the third one, which is very interesting right now, the, the racial injustice that is going on right now. So without pressure, what do we hold on to? Maybe I'm just suggesting maybe social reform, maybe new laws. I don't know. How about this one? And this is where I want to camp to begin with today. Fatherhood and, and being a husband. So let me share with you my family. I'm a father, one wife. Four kids. And I got to be honest with you. There are many times that I don't know what I'm doing as a father. So I have my, my oldest boy, the only boy. He's 12. He's a teenager now. I don't have much hair anymore because he's a teenager now. And I have three daughters and I have my beautiful wife. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a father, there's pressure, right? What am I holding on to? As I parent these kids, 
You know, sometimes I try to have a Bible study with, with my kids. I have a two-year-old, and, and things just don't go well. She's jumping around. My son is not really interested. Things are just not well. But then there's some other times, like, like last night, we start talking about Black Lives Matter. We start talking about social injustice. And we start talking about what is going on in our culture with all of this. And they're listening. And then we're, we're reading Galatians 2.20. Where is our identity then we get to talk about Jesus and the identity that we have in Jesus, that we are Christian first. We're not driven by the color of our skin, although we do celebrate that. We do have a heritage. God made us the way we are, but we are Christian first. But then again, again, I come to this, and this has to do with my wife. What kind of husband am I? I have to be honest with you. We've had some rough moments in our marriage. Not everything has been simple or easy. And you know, as a Christian husband, am I loyal to her? You know, I know many of us work, and I know many of us have phones, and many of us have laptops and, and computers, and we, we go on business trips. And what do we do? Do we stay loyal to our wives or do we start holding on to something else, something sensual that leads us into adultery? I'm just trying to be as honest as I can at this point because we have tons of pressures in our time today and we hold on to something. We hold on to someone during these pressures, right? We're not alone. We're going to jump into Revelations 2, and we're going to look at a church in Pergamum. And they had tons of pressures. I'm going to share that with you. So let's open up our Bibles. Let's go into Revelations, Revelations 2. We're going to begin with verse 12, and we start like this. This is what it says. Write, Jesus talking to John. It says, write to the angel of the church in Pergamum. We're going to... We're going to talk a little bit about this city. But look what it says. Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Now, this is huge. This is important. If we don't understand the description of Jesus right here, we're going to miss the, the rest of this letter. So, thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. So, this is the thing. In Pergamum, it was, a, it was a beautiful city, Mount Olympus, where all the gods and all the goddesses and all these temples were there. I'm going to share that with you in just a little bit. But this is the thing in Pergamum was where, where the governor had an office. So when he would come with his entourage, with his soldiers, someone in front would come in like this and he would have a sword. It was a huge, sharp sword. And then if something happened, if you did something against the Roman governor or the Roman government, you would come before the governor, and the governor would say, I have the right of the sword to take either your life or to keep you with life. Now, look what Jesus is saying right here. He says, I am the one who has the sword. I am the one who has the power and the authority to give life or to take it. Because Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate judge of life and death. 
Is he the ultimate judge of your life? Is he the ultimate one, the ultimate one who has authority and power over your life? That's the answer that we gotta, we got to answer to ourselves, right? Because look what Matthew 10, 28, about exactly the same point. Look what Jesus says. says, don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him, Jesus who is able to destroy both soul and body, and this is the word that we don't like to talk about sometimes, in hell. Who has the ultimate authority and the ultimate power to take our life, not only here but for eternity? It's Jesus. So then we we continue in Revelations 2, verse 13, and look what Jesus says. He says, I know. He is walking around these churches. He knows exactly what is going on in our lives today. He, He knows exactly what's going on in this church. He says, I know where you live, Pablo, where Satan's throne is. Why is he saying this? What does he mean by that? Let me explain it to you. This is Satan's throne. This is Satan's hood, if we can put it like that. This is Satan's turf. Look, look, this is why. Because in Pergamum, you had the biggest temple. It was the altar to Zeus. Zeus was the all-powerful God, the king of kings, the God of creation, the God of, of the sky. If you needed something, where would you go? To the altar of Zeus. But that's not the only temple. Look, check this out. This is very interesting. There was also the imperial cult. If you wanted peace and you wanted safety, you would go and worship the emperor of Rome. Not only that, if you wanted wisdom, where would you go? You would go to the temple of Athena. If you wanted pleasure, you would go to the temple of Dionysus. If you wanted wine... And you just wanted to hang out with the temple prostitutes and have sexual immorality. You would go to that temple. If you wanted healing, check this out. You would go to the Asclepius temple. And this is where medicine, it says, that, that, that it started. And you would come there. People from all over the world would come to this temple. And they would lay down and they would fall into a trance. And here's the healing. Snakes, non-venomous snakes would come. And they would just crawl all over you all night long. And this is how they believe that you would get healing. And I'm not done. There's more. If you needed food, if you needed crops for the next season, you would come and you would worship the God, Demeter. Now, here's the thing. In the midst of all of this in Pergamum, there were also people who followed Jesus. But Jesus, he would not compromise. He would say, you follow me and you follow me alone. You cannot be worshiping these other gods. And then Jesus would say something like this. He would say, I am the king of kings. Not Zeus. He would say, I am the creator. I am the only one that can give you peace and safety. I am the only one in, which, in where you find wisdom, Colossians 2, 3, and knowledge. I am the only one that can give you abundant life. I am the only one that can give you ultimate pleasure. Do, do you believe that? I am the one that can give you healing, not only physical, but psychological and spiritual. And I am the ultimate one that can provide food for you. Why am I sharing all of this? 
Because that's the reason why Jesus was saying, hey, in this city where, where you have all these worshiping, uh, this goddess and gods of all kinds, that's where Satan's throne is. And this is exactly where these disciples of Jesus Christ were living at that time. Now things get very interesting because look what it says on the next part of verse 13. It says, yet you... Believers, followers of Christ. It says, you're holding on to my name. You're holding on to who I am. You're holding on to me as your provider. You're holding on to me as the one who can fulfill your pleasures. You're holding on to me as the one who can give you the food that you need every day and the finances that you need every single day. And says, and you did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, their pastor, my faithful witness who was put to death. So what happened here? What happened here? Remember the sword? Among you where Satan lives, this pastor of this church, he decided, hey, I'm not going to compromise my faith. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And you know what happened at that time? When you would follow Jesus Christ and you denied, you didn't want to go and worship other gods or goddesses, you were judged by the sword. And you got killed. But here's the thing that I want to share with you real quick, and hopefully I can make this illustration, is that today, nowadays, we have tons of pressure in our world and and this i hope it can symbolize maybe all the voices it's a little speaker maybe all the voices of this world maybe all the music the the the, the medical doctors maybe the politicians social media and we're listening to tons of things in this world nowadays times of uncertainty and and we don't know sometimes if they're saying the truth or they're saying lies but but we have also god which is truth on this side and, and we start holding on to him and we're we're trusting him, but, but something starts to happen with all this pressure in our world, and, and we start letting go of, 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 of God, and we kind of start doubting some things, and we start listening to this, and we start holding on to this, and I hold on to this more, to the, to the point that maybe I'm just barely holding on, and my faith is weak, and, and I'm, I'm believing more the lies of this world, and at some point, I just, I just let it go, and and, and I fully go with the lies and the pressures because the pressure is very high nowadays. But then God is not all negative because he says, well done. And I am so proud and so happy to be part of this family this church, Rock Bridge Community Church. You know why? Because he's saying to you and me, well done, Elaine. Well done, Mark. Hey, well done, Craig. Way to go because, man, you're coming to me for strength. You're coming to me for encouragement. You're coming to me to find peace and safety. You're coming to me to find wisdom and healing. And you're, you're not only coming to me for food, but you're giving food to your community. And you're helping them, and you're serving your community, and you're coming to me for ultimate pleasure. Talk about that to teenagers, right? 
Talk about that to husbands like myself who sometimes just play around with this word called sensuality outside of our marriages where sex is to be enjoyed. Oops. We don't talk about this too much. I acknowledge that, but sex is beautiful. It is a gift of God to be enjoyed in the context of marriage where God has instituted for us. So there's the pressure, even in our culture. And this is the pressure. If you held on to Jesus alone, to him alone, you were marginalized. And you were even killed like Pastor Antipas with the sword of Rome. We have similar uh, pressures today. So, 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 So my commendation to you, dear brothers, dear friends, is this. Dear church, what or who are you continually, day by day, holding on to when you are under pressure? And, and what do I mean by holding on to? I mean this. I mean to adhere strongly, to, to be committed to Jesus, to remain closely united, closely connected, to, to be faithfully obedient to Jesus. See, the, the next verses have good news for us, but, but this one, I'm afraid it doesn't. But they're said with, with love. So hear me out. Verse 14, but I have a few things against you, says Jesus. You have some there in your church who hold to, there's the word, are holding on to the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality in the same way you also, church in Pergamum, and perhaps Rockbridge Community Church, have those who hold to the teaching of Nicolaitans. What is he talking about, right? Well, this is the thing. Let me explain it to you. The Nicolaitans at that time, they were part of the church. And within the church, they were teaching this essentially. They were saying, hey, hey, you know what, Pablo? You're part of the church. Hey, listen, Jesus is not really interested in how you use your body. He's more interested on the inside, you know, on what you think. He's interested more on the spiritual side of things. But, but with your body, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. You can, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. He's not going to really care about that. But there's a problem, right? Is that that's not what the Bible teaches. But that, that, that's the reason why. People within the church, they were going to these temples, and guess what they were doing? They were going there, and they were eating, and those are expressions of worship in the temple to, to the gods and goddesses. And not only that, they were having orgies in the temples with the temple prostitutes. And Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urged you to present what? Your bodies. 
God is interested not only in our spiritual side of things, but what we do with our bodies. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So whatever you're holding on to will determine your actions. Whatever you're holding on to will determine what you do. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever teachings you're listening to, essentially you're going to do something with that. You're going to use your body in some way that leads you because of what you're holding on to. And this is beautiful because Jesus has spoken about this before. In Mark, look what it says in 1230. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know what he's saying? Pablo, love me with all that you are. And that includes your body with everything that you are. Now, when we are under pressure... Like they were at that time. We want to diffuse that pressure. Somehow, in some way. What did they do? Here it is. To diffuse pressure, some in the church began to compromise their faith in Jesus. What do I mean by compromise? Now, this, this, this really becomes applicable to our lives. Look, this is what I mean. We compromise... We start giving in. We start uh, trusting less in who Jesus is and trusting more into what the world can give us. So we have a lack of faith in who Jesus is. We start losing track of the beautifulness of Jesus, of the hugeness of Jesus, of the power of Jesus. So here are some areas that, that we may compromise, okay? I'm, I'm just trying to share with you where is it that we can compromise. Some of us may say, you know what? I am not sure that Jesus can be my ultimate life. I'm not sure he can give me my ultimate pleasure. We, we start thinking, is Jesus the only way? Is he really the only way to God? Aren't there many ways? But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can Jesus be the only truth? Can Jesus really be the wisdom and the knowledge that I need? Colossians 2.3 says, yes. Can Jesus be my only provider? You know, I don't know if I'm going to get a job. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to eat next week. Can Jesus really provide? And then I want to talk about this one. Can Jesus really be my identity? Can he really be my identity regardless of the color of skin? Regardless of my nationality? Is there human dignity for people regardless of the language that they speak? Brothers and sisters, hey, this is so important for the times that we're living today. But this is where we begin to compromise little by little, right? This is where we begin to doubt. I'm the first one there. So, for those of us who have held on to other teachings, there's good news for you. There's good news for me. Jesus has a loving command and a loving warning. Here's the thing, and I'm going to be ending with this right here. 
First and foremost, God loves us so much that he's willing to tell us the truth and say it with love and say it with care and say it with compassion. So he's going to give us a command on what to do if we are not holding on to him and we're holding on to something else or someone else. But he's also going to give us a strong warning. But he's going to do it with love. Not with condemnation. If he wanted to condemn us, we wouldn't be here today. He would be here today already, judging us. But just the fact that he's not here today is because he's given us time. And he's showing us love to do what he's about to tell us. So Revelations 2.16, this is what it says. He says, so, 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 if you're not holding on to me, Pablo, repent. Repent or, or else what? Otherwise, I will come to you quickly, here's the warning, and fight against them who are not holding on to Jesus with a sword. Remember, who has the right and the authority and the power to say yes or no to our life? With the sword of my mouth, with his words of judgment. So repent. What, what does it mean to repent? Here, here, let me explain it to you. It's actually very simple. Repent is this. When you're walking in a direction, repentance easily means, hey, you just turn around. You turn around. You change your course. You change the way you think, and you change the way you act. So, so, so if, if you're not holding on to Jesus, what, what you and I need to do is you need to say, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been holding on to you. I've been compromising, but I'm turning around right now, and I'm holding on to you. That's what it means. So repentance now, repentance now is the beginning of restoration. See, this is the thing. Jesus came so that we may be restored. But he cannot restore us if we do not repent. And the beginning of restoration is repentance it's turning around. That is the beginning of restoration. He wants to heal your wounds. He wants to heal your life. He wants to be your provider. He wants to give you the wisdom that you need under these times of pressure. He wants you to be the father. Where are my, my fathers here? He wants you to be the father that leads your children the right way that does not provoke them to anger, but instructs them and teaches them in the Lord. That leads our wives with love to the point of giving your life for your wife. And also repentance. Repentance now, repentance today requires action. See, there's no repentance without action. You need to take some steps. Remember, these are words of love from Jesus Christ. And not only that, but repentance now leads us, and I love this, because this is where Jesus ends. He leads us to rewards. There's something to look up to, right? Yes, he says, repent, Pablo, repent now, because I have rewards for you. But what are those rewards? Here we go, the last verse today. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. In other words, hey, Pablo, I know you have ears. The thing is that don't, don't just listen. Now, now put this into practice, right? To the one who conquers, to the one who's victorious, to the one that holds on to Jesus, I will give some of the hidden 
manna. What is he talking about? I'll share that with you. I will also give him a white stone. What does that represent? And on the stone, a new name is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. So here it is. Here it is. Something that we look up to. We look forward to. Jesus will provide all your needs now. That is the man. I remember in the Old Testament, the Israelites were in the desert. We have this glorious heavenly food coming from heaven. That's a miracle in itself. Well, guess what? In midst of all this pressure that the people in Pergamum were going through, and in the midst of all this pressure that you and I are going through right now in our families and in our society and in our country, guess what? He says, I have a reward for you. Trust me. Hold on to me. And I will provide everything that you need. Now, he may not give us everything that we want, but he will provide everything that we need. Psychologically, some of us are not doing well. Guess what? Hold on to Jesus. Economically, hold on to Jesus. As a leader in your home, fathers, hold on to Jesus. As leaders in your communities, in the place of work, Hold on to Jesus. He'll provide for you. Hold on to Jesus. So he doesn't have just a reward for now. He has a reward for the future, for glory. Whenever we are not here anymore. Check this out. Look what it says. It's an invitation. Remember the white stone with a name there? This is an invitation for a place with him in eternity. Now, the, 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 the historical background is, is very helpful here because when the emperor had feasts and celebrations, they, he sent invitations. Just like whenever you have a, a birthday party or, or, or even a wedding, right? You, you send cards with, with the name of the person in there. Guess what? The invitation at that time was a white rock, beautiful, and your name was on that rock. So whenever you would come to the festivities or to the celebration, somebody would be at the door and you would, you would bring that stone and you would say, here's, here's my invitation. Here's my name. But the thing is this, is that there's something inscribed there that only you know because, you know, they, they, there could be 10,000 Pablos in the world. But there's only one. Pablo Santiago Paredes Orellana. There's only one. And Jesus knows that. He knows exactly who you are. And if you hold on to him, there's a stone, there's an invitation for you. There's protection in the midst of death, in the midst of pressure. That, hey, you have a secure place in the kingdom of God, in the feast, in the messianic feast, in glory later on. So let me finish with this. So what do we do? What do we do when we are under pressure? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Well, I want to encourage you today that we, remember this is to a church, to a people, that we, regardless of color of skin, that we, as a church, under Jesus Christ, we do this, that we continually hold on to Jesus because, because he is the ultimate authority 
Expecting what? Expecting the promised rewards. God's provision now in the future reception in glory with the invitation that has your name on it. What are you going to do, brother? What are you going to do, Father? What are you going to do, church? Are you going to hold on to the voices and the wisdom of this world? They're crying out for our attention. Are you going to hold on to the truth? You're going to hold on to Jesus, expecting rewards. Let us pray. Oh, good Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because you're so kind. You're so patient. You're so loving. That you write this letter of love. You tell us the truth. You speak the truth with love. And you give us time. You give us space to change our course. To change our way of thinking. To repent. Father, there are many of us right here that they're listening to you. Perhaps some fathers that have neglected their leadership in their home. But perhaps just anybody that's going under pressure right now and instead of holding on to you faithfully, we have gone after other gods. Sensuality is so strong, Lord. You know it better than we do. Father, I thank you for giving us the opportunity right now at this time, to repent. To repent for restoration. It requires action. But also repentance leads us to rewards. Help us to not forget that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.